Hello. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Welcome back to Bestowing the Brush. I'm your host, Dallas Noctegal, and you are listening to the podcast that helps you successfully introduce and sustain drawing lessons in your homeschool. I'm so glad you're here. You know, a lot of moms are really intimidated about having drawing lessons in their homeschool, art lessons in their homeschool. It just doesn't have to be that way. I'm so glad you're here and you get to learn from me and what I've researched and learned myself and I've put into practice and we just enjoy it so greatly in our lives. So thanks for being here. One announcement, actually I have two. First announcement that's very exciting is that I am now in production of my second video course. Get excited. <laughs> yes. You have asked, I've gotten several emails, several direct messages on Instagram about this. I've heard you loud and clear. You would like a second course and I am so happy to be able to serve you again. So I am in the planning stages right now and hopefully we'll be shooting all through February for that. And if it doesn't last longer than February, then I will be in production and putting the final touches on it in March. And then hopefully by spring, there will be a course number two ready for your family to use right then or to wait until the fall. All right. So first of all, please pray for me that this will be a fruitful endeavor that I can um, effectively grab everything of what you have told me you'd like to be put in the course and to construct it in a way that's easy and clear and high quality. You guys know I love producing high quality stuff. I don't want to waste your time and I want things to be very clear for you. So I have a few ideas for the content and while I'm brainstorming this, I want you to give me feedback. So right now, if you can, or make a mental note of it to do it later, go to the contact page on my website at bestowingthebrush.com or if you follow me on Instagram, send me a direct message there. Let me know which of these five things would be your most needed things in the course. A, do you want brush drawing for the intermediate to advanced? B, beyond the blobs. What else can you do with watercolor? C, chalk and charcoal revisited and expanded. D, would you like more seeing stuff? Um, you're struggling to visualize things like proportions, shapes, perspective, shadows, lights, or E, get me over my perfectionism or my student. <laughs> That's a big one. I've seen already a lot of requests for letter E there. So any of these, please. Uh, also, you can find these on um, a post that I did on Instagram and also my last newsletter. But if you're not on my newsletter, I highly recommend you get on there. What I like to give you there are videos early when I'm in YouTube production mode, um, when I'm researching. And also I like to give you drawing lesson ideas and help you with mindset stuff and uh, super exclusive things that only my newsletter brush club people get. So again, go to my website. The very front page on the website has a place where you can click in your email and you'll be on, on the brush club. Okay, second announcement, which is very, also very, very exciting. I'm thrilled to be a part of ADE's at-home conference on February 20th. 
very soon coming up register now uh go to i'm sure that they have a place on their on their front page of their website that has a direct link to the conference page because it's a big deal and i'm sure they have a cap on registration so please get registered do a virtual meetup with moms all over the world that are doing the charlotte mason method and I'm going to be leading a brush drawing lesson. So I'm really happy to be doing that. I'm, I'm just so thrilled to get to learn from other moms. There's, uh, I think, 12 other speakers. So that's including the Ladies of ADE, a delectable education. If you don't th- know that, it's a podcast. They are wonderful for laying out the Charlotte Mason method. So February 20th, and I think my uh, segment of the day is around 1240 Eastern time. Okay, and it's a Saturday, so hopefully you can get some sitting uh, or that your husband could be home to watch the kids and whatnot. They also have group rates as well as individual rates. Okay, now that I have announcements out of the way, today's episode is... I'm reading a Lumiel Pianta article. This is called Hints on the Teaching of Drawing in the PUS. That's the Parents Union Schools. And this is written by M. L. Sumner. With brackets underneath that say Miss Sumner's address is Kelbaro Grasmere. Hints on the Teaching of Drawing in the PUS. In answer to two welcome letters stating the difficulties of the PNEU schoolwork drawing lessons, I write the following suggestions, and if anyone acts on them, it will give me great pleasure to see and hear results, either through the editor or directly at my own address. See address before. (laughs) Kelbaro Grasmere. Question one is on the difficulties of perspective in original illustration. Should rules of perspective be taught to children, and if so, at what age? Answer. To the best of my knowledge, the only way worth following is that of the scholars of whatever age finding out facts for themselves by observation and experiment. This road will not, perhaps, lead them very far, but will give some sure foundation. They are all aware that distance lessens the apparent size of an object. It will be excellent if pupils can be put in the way of finding out for themselves in what proportion this happens, as the distance from the observer increases. Again, the four lines of a plain tabletop can be drawn from different points of view, so that the queer behavior of the lines or the easier views are noticed. Or, again, the change in a horizontal line when looked at from above, on a level, or from below can easily be appreciated by sitting on the floor or standing on a chair or taking any position between these levels and looking at the lines of the furniture or walls. Of course, out of doors, this is seen on a larger scale and in the lines of treetops, hedges, roads, houses. Do not overdo the lesson, but work often for a short time. Question two. Do you recommend that young scholars have few colors? Answer. Certainly. Vermilion, chrome yellow, and cobalt to begin with. And if this is too small a number, add emerald green, orange chrome, and purple lake. 
I'm going to stop right here and just interject a couple of things about this color emerald green. We don't, I think um, a comparable color that you could find now would be a viridian. But I recently read in The Secret Lives of Color by Cassia St. Clair about this really interesting little um, tidbit on emerald. So I wanted to read it to you. Emeralds are a rare and fragile member of the barrel family, stained green with small deposits of the elements chromium or vanadium. The best known sources are in Pakistan, India, Zambia, and parts of South America. Ancient Egyptians mined the gemstones from 15 BC, setting them in amulets and talismans, and they have been coveted ever since. The Romans, believing green to be restful to the eyes because of its prominence in nature, pulverized the emeralds to make expensive eye balms. The Emperor Nero was particularly enamored with the gem. Not only did he have an extensive collection, he was also said to use a particularly large example as proto-sunglasses, watching gladiator fights through it so that he wouldn't be bothered by the glare of the sun. When Al Frank Baum wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in 1900, he used the precious stone as both the name and the building material for the city his heroine and her bound of misfits are trying to reach. The Emerald City, at least the beginning of the book, is a metaphor for the magical fulfillment of dreams. It lures the characters in because they all want something from it. I know that was quite a tangent, but I just have to keep recommending this book to you, The Secret Lives of Color by Cassia St. Clair. It's a great coffee table book. It's a great book to just have and then take in its short little chapters about one color or one pigment or one color idea through culture, history, um, art. It's just a really great read very informative, very interesting. Pick up a copy or find it at your local library. Anyway, so she lists vermilion, chrome yellow, and cobalt primarily. But if that's too small a number, add emerald green, orange chrome, and purple lake. These six will be amply enough till the scholars become advanced. Better pigments may be found to supply these cheap ones if wished, but the six, one of each hue, is in ample supply. Then, for advanced workers, add as required Crimson Lake, Yellow Ochre, Hooker's Green, French Ultramarine Blue, Indian Yellow, and Indian Red. Question three. Do you think lessons on design advisable for any age? Answer. Practice design, scribbling anything out of your head, morning, noon, and night, if you want to get on with any sort of artwork. Blobs, white chalk on brown paper, or any materials will do to work with for what is no more than a scribble. For lessons, there is an infinity of problems to set scholars, any one of which can be worked out of them in an infinity of ways. Draw a circle on your paper and add four straight lines. To the inevitable questions, do you mean this or this? The answer is only draw a circle and add one, two, three, four straight lines. For a beginning, a far simpler problem could be set as divide the paper into with a straight line. The scholars should be led to see, without being told, that this can be done either a vertical or a slanting or a horizontal line, and that the problem is not to divide the paper in half, but to divide it as stated 
into two. The two portions can be colored then by the scholar, which will make their relative size more apparent to him. In these exercises, aim at answering no questions, making no suggestions, but get the scholar to understand whether the directions have been carried out by him. It is essential that the teacher work the problem out of sight, and the various solutions can be compared when the work is finished. Also, put the class on their honor not to copy each other, if several work together, as this naturally defeats the object of the practice, which is to quicken the imagination in matters of form and proportion. I think that exercise would be really fun, and I, I might even try that with my kids when we do drawing this week. I think that would be so fun, and I think it's so it helps reinforce that idea that the work needs to be the individuals. It needs to be the child's, and they need to use their own creativity to put something out that they listened to or that they took in. So it's kind of that idea of narration. Question four is about books on art teaching. There is an English translation by Lord of Lecoq de Beaubedron's work. It is published by Macmillan at six cents with the title. No, no, that would be six shillings with the title. The Training of the Memory in Art and the Education of the Artist. Any information about the ABLET system is useful. That's A-B-L-E-T-T, -T, if anyone wants to look that up. That's an interesting research bunny hole. It is the system of the Royal Drawing Society. Clausen's Academy Lectures are excellent. C.J. Holmes is suggestive and modern. Do not use handbooks of advice to artists. Only read the words and about the practice of the best artists. Isn't that just Charlotte Mason for you? Don't read a manual. Don't read the neutered version. Read the artists and what they say about painting and drawing. I highly recommend for the teacher to read anything by Ruskin. Anything by Ruskin on painting or drawing. In fact, I have a few of his resources or his books on my website, WG Collingwood, to the Fessile Club Papers, which is now being reprinted by Riverbend Press, is also great. Um, but I have several resources for books to read on drawing from great artists and the like. So check those out at bestowingthebrush.com. Moving along, question five. Should charcoal be used for the picture talk work? Answer, yes, if it is so stated on the program. Only use pencil if the mess of charcoal becomes impossible. Or better, use a brush and monochrome, that is, a black or brown pigment. Charcoal drawing can be fixed by spraying over a saturated solution of white shellac and methylated spirit, which a chemist can mix cheaply. A spray diffuser costs six hmm, D. Would that be dollars? That's not dollars. Or one shilling at an artist colorman. Well, I don't know what those prices are, but I do know that Krylon has a modern product and it's called Workable Fixative. And that's, uh, the fixative is spelled F-I-X-A-T-I-F, fixative. And it's the same thing. It's just, it comes in like, um, a spray paint can and it's kind of like clear coat but it's for your drawing 
and it doesn't I'm just going to warn you it doesn't prevent it from not making contact with other things so you're probably going to want to put a piece of newsprint even over that to protect it from smudging if you want to store it you really don't have to store it though um, I am not very precious about the drawings that are made around our house I oftentimes declutter them and I keep some of them I I like to go through those with my kids so that they're keeping the ones that they want to keep in a portfolio or a folder that's just their own but really everything else I get rid of so usually what I do is just snap a quick picture of it and then I put it in a file on my computer that's what the artwork that they did was so welcome to the digital age question six how can scholars improve in figure drawing answer by drawing from memory after drawing from or looking at the living model the students at scale how have been amusing themselves by drawing skeletons to fit five points put anyhow and used for head and hands and feet what is to be done in the drawing lesson is that the scholar sets down his own ideas and the result to be obtained is that the spectator sees the ideas. All imperfect as the work is, encourage and enjoy all genuine effort on the part of the scholar to put down what he is thinking of himself. Nothing else than that is of any value. The work done from dictation may have a far more plausible appearance. The only other question is about outdoor work. And of that, I can only say, Never expect to like your work when done. Only work in order to honestly set down what the subject makes you feel. And next month or next year, you will see something in your work, or other people will. The indispensable quality wanted in outdoor work is a true relation between the various tones. And we all know how difficult that is to get even indoors. If the day is hot, give the color special treatment to keep it moist enough, i.e. damp the paper and attend to adding water without spoiling the mixings with overstirring. Very good sketching lessons are to be had in the holidays. They are advertised in the studio and artist magazines. M. L. Sumner. Again, Miss Sumner's address is Kelbaro Grasmere. So there you go. <laughs> Never expect to like your work when done. Only work in order to honestly set down what the subject makes you feel. And next month or next year, you will see something in your work. Or other people will. What did you appreciate about that article? I really liked her emphasis on the individuality of the work coming from the child. And no hints being given by the teacher. Um, definitely no spoon feeding and no copying another's paper but the ideas of the student that were gotten by either looking at the subject or by hearing like a design prompt, which I think those are such, those are such fun drawing times when everybody's kind of got this own problem that they're working out and then you can compare them later and talk about it. All right, so I totally have time for another article. Are you ready? This is more than what you thought was gonna happen. You thought I was gonna read one article? No, 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 no two articles. This is entitled Art Training in the Nursery. And who authors it besides the late Emmeline Petrie Steinthal? This is going to be good. I have been asked of late by many mothers, how must we teach our children drawing? 
One lady remarked, I don't know how it is, but my children used to be so fond of drawing, and now they all dislike it. When inquiries were made as to the methods of teaching, the answer was, Oh, of course they have gone and are still going through the freehand course. Do they ever draw from objects or from nature? I ask. Oh, dear, no. The teacher will not allow vagaries, as she calls them. The object of this paper is to offer to parents a few suggestions found on experience, which may throw light on this subject. I have to wonder if that was a pun intended moment. To begin with, the surroundings of a child ought to be beautiful. The nursery ought to be one of the most harmonious in the house, for a child should be accustomed to see and appreciate only good colors from the first. And it was never so easy to carry this principle into effect as now, when we can obtain for our walls such beautiful and inexpensive designs as those of Walter Crane and others. I met during the course of last summer an interesting family, a mother and her three sons. Two of the boys, aged 11 and 13, respectively, have a great desire to become artists. They work from nature every day during the holidays and send their sketches every week to their master, a pupil of Mr. Ruskin's. Pausing here quickly, I'm pretty sure she's talking here about W.G. Collingwood and the Fessily Club papers. I could be wrong, but I think that's the only pupil of Mr. Ruskin's that these boys would have been sending their work to and working from outdoors. Their mother told me that she attributed the taste for art the boys manifested almost entirely to the pretty nursery they had as children. They had a paper designed by Walter Crane on the walls. Round the room went two shelves about a foot and a half from each other. Here and there hung a little curtain behind which lay all the ordinary things belonging to children, boots, brushes, combs, etc. In the open spaces the toys were placed, and each boy had his own charge of his division. They had very pretty crockery, and this was kept, when not in use, in an old cupboard with glass doors, placed rather high on the wall. The pictures were few but excellent in form and color. I certainly have not met many boys who had such a keen sense and appreciation of beauty in every guise and form. Most of the pictures in the illustrated Christmas papers are excellent for nursery walls. Some of Walter Crane's earlier books arranged along the wall have a very pretty effect. As members of the Arundel Society, we receive each year two copies of Old Master's work. These, we find, are of the greatest educational value to children. The last one received, The Betrothal of the Virgin by Lorenzo di Vitello, gave great pleasure to the little ones. One Little Mite of Three who has often heard us speak of color, said about it the other day, believe that purple goes very well with that yellow. The children in this way unconsciously get also used to a very good idea of the various schools. But all parents will not care about old masters, and for these there is no lack of beauty and form in many of the colored children's picture books now produced. We owe much to Malays, Britain Riviere, Caldecott, Kate Greenaway, and other laborers in this field. Few things do more to foster art in the nursery than illustrations in books, provided that these are few and well chosen. It would be invidious to single out any 
when so many are good, but I should like to suggest the drawings of Gordon Brown, Walter Crane's earlier books, and his Mask of Flora, Harriet Bennett, Alice Havers, Cassells have produced an excellent Sunday scrapbook. I am sorry the colors used in our kindergarten lesson are not better chosen. A set of paper slips for plating was received the other day which could not possibly be used. No two colors were complements, and the effect of each combination was hideous. Generally, when there is a demand, there is a supply. So if we mothers constantly demand better colors, we should probably get them. Might I suggest that a few casts in the nursery give great pleasure to children and help them very considerably in their art education? The Mask of Dante, Michelangelo's Madonna, Venus Milo, and Donatella's baby are very inexpensive and most beautiful. To consider now the children themselves, there is hardly any child whose first impulse is not to scribble on the wall or on some scrap of paper. It is almost the first thing he wishes to do, and there is hardly a parent who has not scolded him for it. You can develop a child's faculties better by means of drawing than even by books and no other study will so quicken his perceptions. Children should learn to draw as they learn to write. The great point is that they should be encouraged, but not flattered. With no help and encouragement, the child gradually loses desire to draw and gets more interested in other things until the wish to draw again breaks out, and then double effort is required to recover what might have been gained insensibly. Most children see straight until they are spoiled by bad teaching. I have taught modeling to factory lads and to public school boys. And in all cases, the boys who have never had sixpence spent on their art education have surpassed the boys who have been learning for years. The mill boys looked at the object they were copying and so carefully took in the relation of one line to another that they very seldom had to undo their work. This theory was borne out the other day by the master of a large school of art in one of our manufacturing towns. He said that his experience was similar, and that in his evening classes the mill boys were far more brilliant and correct than the pupil teachers. There are two great points that must be remembered if we wish to make our system of art teaching in the nursery successful. The first is, always keep the children interested. Next, let us understand that drawing is not only learnt with a pencil and a piece of paper. To illustrate the first point, let us take the case of children brought up on freehand copies alone, who, strangely, do not become the Raphaels and Malays their mothers expected. Nor, what is sadder still, do they even wish to become artists? Don't let the poor little fingers get stiff in trying to turn the curves which convey no meaning to their tired eyes and still more tired brains, weary with the vain effort to make this side exactly match that side. How many parents could sit down and draw a teacup placed before them? An orange or apple again is a very favorite mode of torture adopted by some teachers. And yet we expect little mites of six and seven to do this and then wonder why they are not fonder of drawing. Give the child a large sheet of paper and a good thick pencil or a piece of charcoal and ask him to draw for you his cart and horse or his stable with the cart in it or his boat with the sail up or any toy he may happen to have near him. 
let the girls do the same with their dolls, etc. Their delight when they find that they really can make something which looks rather like their pet possessions will show what I mean by interested. All children like colors, and nothing pleases them so much as a paint box. Let them go on to paint their own drawings, and if they really get the yellow of the cart or the piebald of the pony, their delight is boundless. And these children will grow up with a sense of form and color, which will beautify their lives, for nature has many secrets to reveal to the instructed eye. Do not let children paint in reading books. It may lead to a disrespect for books, and children should be taught to handle these with reverent care. To turn now to our second point, that drawing is not to be learned by means of pencil and paper only. The chief value of drawing is that it trains the eye to see things as they are, and this training can be given in many ways. When, for instance, a child is old enough, it is intense happiness to him to sit by his mother's side and with a pair of scissors cut out birds, horses, boys, girls, birds, etc. And very often the mother is surprised at the agility and cleverness of the child. That child has had an excellent lesson in imagination and form without knowing it. Again, all children love to play with dough and make nests, shoes, birds, etc. A little clay which can be obtained for a very small sum will amuse children through many long winter afternoons and wet days, and all the time they are being trained. They are learning drawing in clay. And I believe that in future ages, our descendants will wonder why we did not teach modeling to every child and that any kind of art education could have existed without it. Another art which is coming to the fore and which can be easily executed by little fingers is bent ironwork. It teaches the making of curves and beautiful lines just as surely and far more pleasantly than any freehand lesson. I have before me now several capital specimens of this work done by village boys from 9 to 14 years of age. Do not let us imagine that all our children will become artists in the future. Do not let us expect to produce a Leighton or a Herkimer. But of this we may be sure that children who are trained well in the nursery will, as they grow older, see more of beauty in this beautiful world. Even where they do not take up art as a profession, then will those less fortunate children whose early art training is left to take care of itself. An atmosphere of refinement and art culture must exercise a benefit effect on the characters of our children of today and of the men and women of the future. Oh, Miss Steindahl. I'm really thankful for her writings. All of that. I mean, the emphasis on the beauty of the surroundings of the child but also just like the hands-on um, doing of the drawing, of the working with clay, of the working with bent metal. Super educational, I think. And it's so fun. It's so fun, too. I also really liked her suggestion of having the children paint their favorite toy. Um, I also think that that could be done with, like, video game character. Dare I even utter it? Or, you know... Their, te their favorite television show character, that actually could be a really, really um, educational exercise in just recalling and the memory work, remembering the right colors, remembering how everything is laid out. 
and then also trying to make it look three-dimensional when you've probably seen it on a two-dimensional screen too. Um, but honestly, other than that, just um, anything they have in their room, anything that is a favorite toy, Lego creation, any of that would be really great, really great exercise. Okay, but what did you guys think of these articles? Tell me what's been your most uh, mind-blowing, what's been your most, like, revelatory idea, um, something that you had forgotten about and you were reminded of by these two authors, Sumner and Steinthal. And also, what of this would you like to have me include in my course? I can definitely weave some of these ideas into the fabric of the videos and the content that I want to share with you come spring. So again, send me a message on bestowingthebrush.com. I'm on my contact page, direct message on Instagram, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. Thank you for having me, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Ooh, sorry. I know I told you I was leaving. I'm really not leaving right now. I have to update you. I actually, it took me a little while to edit this podcast, so I had time. I had a school day to put this drawing lesson that we talked about from that first article into our school day, and it was so much fun. The kids were really enjoying themselves. It's really, they were lighting up. Um, they loved the challenge of everyone getting to hear me whisper into their ear what they're going to draw. And I had them positioned around the table so that they couldn't see what the other one was working on. And just the excitement and the thrill of doing that was really fun. So I recommend that. And I'm gonna put up some of our drawings that we did on Instagram. So if you follow me over there at Bestowing the Brush, you'll get to see those. And I, I may probably put them in my story with, hey, here's what I said for the prompt. Here's what they came up with. And it was just really interesting from a mom's perspective to look at the drawings that they made and see how they each reflected their personality and their thinking processes. It was very, very interesting. All right. Well, I'll leave you alone now. You get to your work and I hope you have a wonderful homeschool week. I hope you have a wonderful break if you're on a break and I will talk to you very soon. Bye.